another question came in from Tonya. Uh, Tonya, thank you very much. Good morning. Uh, it might be a first time, uh, a first time uh, a listener, a first time commenter, because I, I don't think I recognise your name from the past. But uh, Tonya says, "Good morning. How would you interpret one Corinthians chapter fourteen verse one in light of what was already said this morning?" Blessings, uh, Tonya. Enjoying your program. What a great question. Well, let's read a portion of one Corinthians chapter fourteen. And uh, even as we get to the end of that portion and give a brief interpretation of chapter 14, verse 1, and then go to a song break. It might be that others have questions that they want to come in with as well. I can't believe our fast time is going. It's already 10 past 10. Um, guys, the questions today have been great. I'm going to read the first five verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Pursue love. Ach, pursue love. And earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So the question's coming from that verse and asking for context. Verse 2, for the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies seeks, oh, sorry, speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. And by the way, that idea of so that the church might be built up, that's the authorial intent of that paragraph. It is the ref repeated refrain the whole way through the chapter. You do need to hold on to that. But let's just take a look at verse 1. Briefly, we might come back to the rest of the paragraph after our break. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So Paul begins chapter 14 with two commands. Pursue love. And then a second command, and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Pursuing is an external grasping. Desiring is an internal longing. He is saying, reach out for love and long for the spiritual gifts. Paul started writing about the spiritual gifts in chapter 12, in chapter 12, verse 1 in particular. He wrote that each person in the body of Christ is uniquely gifted. You can go and take a look at that section. It's from chapter 12 verse 1 all the way through to chapter 12 verse 11. And then he went on to say from chapter 12 verse 12 to chapter 12 verse 26 that every member of the body is important for the right functioning of the whole body. That's mm -hmm. that whole body metaphor. So Paul wrote that we do not get every spiritual gift. Hey Shemu, you do not have every spiritual gift. I know I don't have every spiritual gift. He closes off chapter 12 in verse 31, saying that he would show the church in Corinth a still more excellent way, a hyperbolic way. He's talking in hyperbola in chapter 13. And so that still more excellent way is love. And you can see that in chapter 13, verse 1 to 3. I'd encourage you to go and take a look at that, Tonya. And then patient and kind love, not envious, boastful, arrogant, or rude love, the kind of love that never ends, verse 8. This is divine love. This is agape love. This is God-given and God-glorifying love. And then Paul closes off chapter 13 by writing that faith, hope, and love abide. 
these three. But the greatest of these is love. That's chapter 13, verse 13. That love is the more excellent way that he closed off Mm -hmm. chapter 12 speaking about. Mm -hmm. So now Paul returns back to the topic of spiritual gifts. As the church in Corinth longs for spiritual gifts, that longing must flow. It must originate from love. Mm -hmm. Love must fuel the spiritual gifts. Now, with that in mind, Paul singles out one gift. He Mm -hmm. singles out prophecy. Mm -hmm. The question is, what is prophecy? I've already spoken about that a little bit. Prophecy is the declaration of that which cannot be known by natural means. Uh, That definition uh, comes from W.E. Vine. He was an English Bible scholar. He was a theologian. He was a writer. And he's most famous for Vine's expository dictionary of the New Testament. So that's where I get that definition from. That prophecy is the declaration of that which cannot be known by natural means. Prophecy is at times foretelling the revelation of what is still to come. Prophecy is always foretelling, declaring God's truth to God's people in God's power. But why? Why does Paul single out this particular gift from the other gifts? What is it about prophecy that we must earnestly desire? Is the question that you need to be asking yourself, Tonya, as you, as, you, as you unpack and as you interpret this particular text. Well, in verse 2, we are told, For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. And the one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. And I want all of you to speak in tongues, Paul says, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, number one, first, note that the gift of prophecy is being compared to the gift of tongues. That's very important for the context in order to get to the thorough intent. The word tongues here and throughout 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is glossa. Glossa could mean the member of the body, the organ of speech, the, the tongue, or glossa could mean the language or dialect that is used by a particular people distinct from that of other nations. Now, the gift of tongues, glossa, is the miracle of speaking in a human language the speaker has never learnt. Now, glossa in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is the same miraculous speaking in a human language that happened on the day of Pentecost. Mm-hmm. That's Acts chapter 2 verse 4. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other glossa, in other mm-hmm. tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then in Acts chapter 2 verse 11, the crowd exclaims, We hear them telling in our own tongues, our own glossa, the mighty works of God. This word glossa in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is the same miraculous speaking in human language that happened when Cornelius and his family were saved. That's Acts chapter 10 verse 46. They were hearing in that text them speaking in tongues in glossa and extolling God. It's meant to point us back to Acts chapter 2. Glossa in 1 Corinthians 14 is the same miraculous speaking in human language that happened when the disciples of John the Baptist were saved in Acts chapter 19. By the way, we've just gone through all the speaking of tongues in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 19 verse 6, Paul laid his hands on them 
the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in glossa, in tongues and prophesying. So here's my point, bringing that all together. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is the same word for tongue, the same word glossa as in other places mm-hmm. of Scripture. We can't look at 1 Corinthians 14 and say this is a special case because it's the same word, it's the same case. So first, the gift of prophecy is being compared to the gift of tongue. Second, note the re- repetition of the word built up or build up. I've already pointed that out. It's very important that you understand that if you're going to understand this text, Tonya. Track with me in your own Bible. Verse 3, speak to people for their upbuilding. Verse 4, the one who prophesies builds up the church. Verse 5, interpret so that the church may be built up. Verse 12, strive to excel in building up the church. Verse 26, let all things be done for building up. Paul wants the spiritual gifts to build up the church. Now this word build up translates the Greek word oikodoma. Um, or oikodome, sorry. Oikodome is a compound of two Greek words. The first is oikos, which means house, and the second is doma, which means house. <laughs> Build up is an excellent translation conveying the idea of strengthening or edifying. Now, prophecy builds people up, it edifies them, and prophecy holds people up. It encourages them. And prophecy cheers people up. It consoles them. Whereas tongues, if not interpreted, does nothing to build people up, nothing to hold people up, nothing to cheer people up. So first, the gift of prophecy, and we've discussed this, is being compared to the gift of tongues. Second, the gift of prophecy builds up. Now third, note the use of tongues in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 from verse 1 to verse 5. It's negative, whereas the use of prophecy is positive. This verse is not teaching the proper use of tongues uh, in the church must follow. This verse is teaching that the improper use of tongues in the church must be avoided. So what is it about prophecy that we must earnestly desire in verse 1? And this comes back to your question. The positive upbuildment, encouragement, and consolation comes from understanding the declaration of God's truth to God's people in God's power. So which spiritual gifts must we earnestly desire most? Spiritual gifts that build up our church. The obvious application of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 from verse 1 to 5 is that we must earnestly desire the spiritual gifts that build up our church. That's the interpretive or that's the interpretive framework of verse 1 to 5. Uh, the rest of the conversation would then flow from them in terms of well when is speaking in tongues okay and that's uh, the rest of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 from verse 6 and onwards but Just on your question, how does this conversation of prophecy that Paul is having in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 relate to the statement that I said that I'm a pragmatic cessationist? I'm not seeing that on display in our world today. Well, just very clearly, um, the kinds of prophecy that we see today is an absolute misuse um, of God's word to God's people in God's power. More often than not, it's just a person staring into a crystal ball, hoping for some idea of the past or of the future that they can declare as authoritative in order to give them some leverage over the people that is in front of them. That's the main way that mm-hmm. I see 
the mm-hmm. prophetic mm-hmm. Um, used in our day and age. Um, obviously, there are those who are desperately trying to be biblical in terms of the way that they are engaging in what they believe is the prophetic, and my heart goes out to them, and I love many of them very, very dearly. Mm. But what I'm not seeing is a authoritative prophetic utterances. In other words, if you say it, we believe that it is a literal word from God. We write it down, That's we right. hold it to our breast, and we and we change our entire That's lives right. based on what was said. No, it's some kind of watered down uh, less than uh, that gets that gets uh, used as a synonym for what we see in Scripture, but it's a it's not a true replica. It's not a true um, icon. It's not an image. It's a distant shadow of that which gets displayed in Scripture.